Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. Good to see you this morning on this beautiful Super Bowl Sunday. I guess there's some game going on or something somewhere. Um, so I like football, but I like the real football. Like soccer is the best, what we call, what we call in America soccer, but it's the real football. It is really the most superior sport, I feel like. <laughs> wow, I got some haters here this morning. <laughs> All right, so uh, my name is Brent. I actually do the youth um, at the West Haven campus in Alpine, and so I work part-time from Alpine now, and, uh, which I love it, which is great. I love working with the students, but... My full-time job is I, I'm a, I work at a domestic violence shelter in downtown Ogden. Uh, it's called the YCC Family Crisis Center. But my job there is I get to go to all the schools in Weber County and all the health classes in the junior high and high schools, and I talk about healthy relationships and dating violence and things like that. And so I love that part of my job. And yesterday, um, we had this big conference for the kids that we've been planning for months. And uh, it finally came together. We had over 100 students at the Eccles, Ogden, uh, Eccles Conference Center in Ogden. And we just had all these speakers come in from all these universities and the Department of Health just talking to the kids about how to be healthy, how to have healthy friendships, healthy relationships, healthy with your family, how to be healthy with your boyfriend or girlfriend and things like that. And it was awesome. It was phenomenal. It was great. But all that to say is that I'm really exhausted. So if I nod on up here a little bit, you know, just wake me up. If my voice sounds a little scratchy, I was speaking to hundreds of kids all day yesterday. It was great. And so, but I'm glad to be here. I love coming to Bergen City. It's a beautiful area. This is wonderful church, so I am really happy to be here. So about 10 years ago, I started working for Alpine full-time at the time, um, and I hadn't been there working that, there that long, maybe a month or so, and I didn't know all the other staff very that, you know, that well, and I was working with students at the time for Alpine, and we were just coming home from an event, and I was in the, this big excursion, driving it with a bunch of students in there, and then we were pulling this huge, big, long Alpine trailer that the church owned. And all the kids are like, Brent, I'm hungry. Can we go through a drive-thru? And I'm like, yeah, I'm hungry too. So we pull up to this little like burger stand in Syracuse and they've got this like, you know, little like drive-thru area. And I'm like, I can do this. I've driven a trailer before, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I wish I would have, you were there, tell me no. And so I, I pulled in and I'm like, you know, I get up to the speaker, which is just fine. All these kids are screaming. We order what we want. I start to drive up to the window on my, the back tire of the Alpine trailer, like, jumped up on the curb and it just I hear this <laughs> and I looked behind me and the speaker wasn't connected to the menu thankfully but it I had just knocked it on the ground it was like lying lying sideways and the guy behind me had his head out the window like trying to order it into the speaker laying on the ground and I could hear them and it was working I'm like okay that's cool it still works and I pull up to the drive-thru and I'm like um I just destroyed your speaker. And they're like, well, it's working. I'm like, well, trust me, it's, it's not standing. And so I gave them my information and everything. It was fine. You know, Alpine Insurance covered it. That's what insurance is for, right? But like that whole like next year, what I was known for, especially with the Alpine pastor staff, was like, oh, you're the new guy that ran over the trailer, ran over a speaker at the drive-thru with the trailer. Like, yeah, that's me, you know? That was kind of my identity for a while, actually, unfortunately. Kind of what I was known for. Um, but I want you guys to think, like, you know, you probably have, like, funny stories like that. You probably have things that your family, your friends bring up all the time, like, you did this or whatever. But that's not your identity, right? Like, that's not who you are. But I want you to think, like, where, what really defines who you are? Like, where do you find your identity? Where do you find your value? 
that's what I want you to think about this morning, you know? A lot of people feel like their identity is with their culture or with their family or how they were raised or who they're from, which is wonderful, but think about this. Like, maybe where do you find your value, you know? As young people, we find a lot of value in friends or popularity. I think as adults, we try to do that too sometimes, unfortunately. But, you know, do you find your value in your political party? Do you find your value in your job? Do you find your value, you know, of how much money you make? Where do you find your value or your worth? You know, a lot of young people find their value in, like, social media, you know, and how many likes or views or whatever they get, you know? I have to admit, I have a TikTok. I have it for work. Um, but, like, because I work with young people all the time, and we get young people to do TikToks for us and about relationships, and it's super fun. But I did this one TikTok, me and my intern, and we were me running around all these schools, and it was super silly and fun. And, like, I got, like, 1,200 people, like, viewed it, and I'm like, dang, man. I'm kind, of a, I'm kind of a big deal, you know? And then um, this one student that goes to Alpine like showed me his, and he got 12,000 views of just him fishing. And I'm like, man, that just hurts my identity like right here, you know? And so it's like, it's so funny how we find value and stuff in that. And so, but how do you identify yourselves, you know? How do you identify yourself as having a good or a bad marriage? How do you identify yourself as like, you know, are you a good or a bad parent? Like, do you find value or not value in that, you know? How many of you guys identify your favorite football team, you know? Which one is the best, which is the Steelers because they've won the most Super Bowls, you know? But that's how you find your identity. I'm getting more hate over here, I feel like. <laughs> um, but that's, that's, you know, where you can find your identity, really. And so... We're motivated to do a lot of things to find value to ourselves, but we do a lot of things that maybe we don't even want to do or that might compromise your values a little bit just to get people to like us. And so sometimes we do that to, get, to feel valuable. And so sometimes we do all these crazy different things, unfortunately. And so you can see how we've been talking about how this even what I'm talking about now is part of a culture war. It's part of a war for our souls. It's part of a war for our integrity. It's part of a war for all those different things. And so we get this push and pull sometimes from the world, from this culture around us, you know. The culture tells us to do this, but don't do that. Be this kind of person, but don't be that kind of person. You know, it talks about say this, look like this, you know, all these different things, act like this or behave like this. We get this push and pull between what we believe in versus how the rest of the world behaves. And so that's what we mean by a culture war. And if we allow the culture to impact us and how we view our identity, it's going to shape what we do. It's going to shape our behavior. And so when we talk about a culture war, we want our identity to be in Christ, not in this world. And we want, what the world, we want what Jesus says to affect how we actually live our lives. And so to learn how to remain steadfast of callers of Christ in an increasing secular world is what we want to be doing. And so in 1 Peter, we talked a little bit about this last week, you know, their culture war was real, you know. They had... The Romans totally persecuting them. They had, it was affecting their social status to believe in Jesus. It was affecting their family and their finances and all these different things. And some people were even losing their lives during the time that Peter was writing this letter to, to his followers. And so all these different things were happening back in that day. And so Peter was writing this to tell other Christians the truth about how to live your life. But at the same time, I feel like this truth is the same for us today. And so last Sunday we talked about there's nothing more valuable than Jesus Christ, not money, not power, not position, not relationship, like there's nothing. And also we talked about how this culture war is actually temporary at the same time. You know, we stand for God, for God hopefully over and over again, 
there's persecution, there's all these different things, you know, we're just trying to survive day to day and trying to be, you know, like Christ day to day, and we fight these own little internal battles that we have with ourselves, but it's just temporary, because one day we're going to be just full of this body and just gone with this thing and be able to be in heaven with Jesus forever, and that's going to be amazing, right, amen? And so this thing is temporary, which is a good thing, but we need to fight it as we're here. So today we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, and this is kind of our theme. More than what we believe, how we should behave as Christians, how do we behave as Christians in a secular world? And so we have to be able to be able to do all those things and be able to be Christian, live in this world, be able to be Christians at the same time. And so last week was kind of like this overall general thing of like, this is us, this is the world, this is how these things clash. Today it's like, okay, what do we do about it? Like, how do we behave? How do we actually act and behave in this world? And so our actions are very, very important to how we actually are a witness to the rest of this world as well. And we might be surprised a little bit to what we talk about. So let's pray one more time and we'll jump into it. Lord, thank you so much that you um, are a God that set us an example of how to love others, how to behave in this world. You've given us your word to give us just this, these amazing instructions and ideas that still are true today. And I pray that you would open it us to us, God, for us to be able to see and for us to be able to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we're talking about this, there are four answers really of how to behave in a secular world four things that we need to do, and really the first is to be able to be defined by God's kingdom. Let God's kingdom define us, nobody else. To have our identity in God, to be able to have our value in God, and all those different things. So I'm going to read a lot of verses to you here, but it says, for you know that God paid a ransom for you to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was paid with more, with, it was not paid with mere gold or silver, it was the precious blood of Christ the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in the last days. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your, son, from your sins when you obeyed the truth. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end, your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you haven't been involved that much. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. This is it. Like this is the gospel. Like this is, in a nutshell, there's some great nuggets in here that says this is what you were like before, your empty life but Jesus came and paid the ransom for you and died for you, and this is the gospel. If you've been a Christian for a while, this is such a great reminder of just God's goodness and how good he is and how much he loves you and all these amazing things, and this is really how we identify ourselves in God's kingdom. Like, this is it. And if you haven't read 1 Peter yet, read it this week as we get into this, you know, in the next couple of weeks as well, because it has so many great truth nuggets in it. It's amazing. So wherever you are in your journey, in your pursuit of God, this is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is how we inherit and how we live and how we identify with God's kingdom. So Peter does take it a step further, you know. He says, before Christ, we were empty, we were full of sin, 
You know, we had a life that we needed constant forgiveness for and, and atonement for our sins. Back in the Old Testament, before Jesus, you know, you had one high priest that was able to go into the temple, into the presence of God. They found the most, you know, purest, spotless lamb they could find to sacrifice the sins for the nation, you know, to sacrifice that lamb. And, you know, that's how they did it. People just sat outside. People couldn't get into the presence of God, you know, because God was too holy and we were too sinful. But then came Jesus. And when Jesus came, it is incredible foreshadowing that we see of Jesus because it says that he became that spotless lamb. He became that sacrifice. He became the one that died for our sins forever, like the final sacrifice that we needed. We don't need to sacrifice animals anymore. If we brought animals in here and sacrificed them on the stage, you guys would probably all leave, you know? But we don't have to do that anymore, which is awesome because we have Jesus, that spotless lamb of God that died for our sins. And so... If we believe in him, we can be in a relationship with God again, once and for all. And so there's nothing in the world that's more valuable than Jesus. We are created to know him. We're created to have a relationship with God. And Jesus made it possible. So we don't have an identity outside of Jesus. If you don't have an identity with Jesus, if you don't identify with God's kingdom, with the gospel, you're just going to identify with whatever and whoever's around you in this world that we live in. You're going to be whoever the world tells us to be. So... I don't know about you, but I'm very sinful. I'm a very wretched person. We're all very broken, lost before we came to know Jesus. Um, if you were to ask my wife, she would tell you stories of just how selfish and lazy I can be, you know? And so, you know, all these different things, that's who we are, unfortunately. But God loves us so much that before the world, he made a way for us to have a relationship with him. And despite our sin, Jesus died for you, and he died for me, and that is the good news, and that is what we should be identifying ourselves with. And so if we say yes to him, we inherit his kingdom, his righteousness, his holiness, and all these different things. And so we don't just inherit these things, but when we make that decision to follow Jesus, we actually, it actually changes everything. Everything should change in our life because when we have this identity with Jesus, that should be how we live our life. And so First Peter says this, he says, for you have been born, or whoops, we'll do this. For you, have, you are a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So it says we're chosen by God. He knows us by name. He said we are royal, royal priests because we don't, we don't have to have a priest to go into God's presence for us. Like, we can go into God's presence now. Like, we're in God's presence now when we sing, when we worship, when we encourage one each other, when we pray with each other. Like, that is speaking directly to God. So we are the royal priest. We are considered now holy in his sight. And it goes on to say this, that once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So everything changes. It changes how we view ourselves. It changes how we view others. It changes how we view the world. It changes how we act and behave in the world. It should literally, when we identify ourselves with Jesus, it should literally change everything about us from the inside out. And so Peter says, this should change your behavior. So if you have an identity in Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, you should act that way. You should behave that way. We should all be acting like that. It should affect who we are. And so once we identify with Christ, we know our purpose. And the purpose, honestly, is to love God first, but it's to love others second. 
And that is really the purpose to our, for our lives. And so that's our second point. Be light to our neighbors. How many of you guys have pretty good neighbors? You guys have good neighbors? Yeah? Nobody has, like, problems with their neighbors or whatever? I have great neighbors. I have wonderful neighbors. Like, you know, they keep their lawns immaculately looking amazing, mowing and weeding their lawns and flowers and everything. And the, in the snow, you know, in the wintertime, they, like, shovel their driveways. They shovel the sidewalks for little kids to walk on. It's wonderful. But then there's me. <laughs> I'm really busy, and even on the weekends a lot of times. And so in the summertime, I try to mow my lawn. My son moved out to college in, in Salt Lake, and so I don't have him mowing my lawn anymore. So, but there's high grass and weeds sometimes, I have to admit. In the wintertime, there could be a whole snowstorm, right? I'll come home after work at night. And my neighbor on my left has their driveway and the sidewalk all snow, all, the, all shoveled up to, my, up to my sidewalk. My neighbor on the left, his driveway's all shoveled. It's all shoveled up to my sidewalk. And then there's my sidewalk, you know, with little kids' footprints in it, you know. And like, you know, and I have, a four, I have a four-wheel drive, so I don't even care. I just, you know, up my driveway. And so my neighbors probably secretly hate me, <laughs> like honestly. I'm probably not the greatest neighbor in the world, but I try. And so... But neighbors, this word neighbor doesn't just only mean our direct neighbors, right? You know, it means everybody. It means everybody around us, everybody we have contact in. We have to have compassion and love them. Anybody that we encounter, and it could be our real neighbors. It could be our family, even our in-laws. You know, it could be all these different people. It could be our coworkers and our boss. It could be our teammates, our classmates. It could be all. It, God even says, love your enemies, right? And so I love all these people, you know, that, you know, like all these different weird sports and teams that you don't like. You know, love all those people too. And so we, everybody we can contact us, we should love them. And so, but how do we do it? Like, how do we really love our neighbor in a sense that, you know, we're in this, they believe other things that we believe, you know, they, they live their lives different than we live. And so Peter goes on to say this. For you are chosen, you are chosen people, you're royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you are to show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so it says that since we know who are, you know, how we identify, who we identify with, what gives us our value, we honor God with our life, and then we, we're called to love our neighbors. And we love our neighbors by what it says right here, showing them the goodness of God. That's how we love our neighbors. That is the best way to love your neighbors. Peter goes on to say this. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see, you, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. And so... He says, stand up in your culture, do what is right, honor God by living in such a way that no one can accuse you of doing something wrong. Now, I know we all have people in our lives that we kind of rub the wrong way. You know, maybe people that you work with, maybe people in your same family, I don't know. But like, if there's someone that doesn't like you and someone else comes up to them and says, so, so why don't you like this person? The coolest thing would be if they couldn't think of anything. You know, if they're like, oh, I don't like the way they do, um, I don't like when they say or what they say, I don't know, I just don't like them, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the best thing you can do, right? That we can't give a reason, people can't find a reason not to like us. That's that, if you're doing that, you're living right, right? Like, that is the best thing. And so, 
Don't give anybody an excuse to blame you, to criticize you, to make them feel like you're a bad person or, oh, you're a Christian, but you do or say this. Uh, you know, you don't want that. You want people looking at you and saying, oh, there is something different about you. There's totally something different about you. What is that? I want to know what that is. In our case, they need to know who it is. And so the person that makes the most difference in the world to us. And so that's what we want. In this culture war that we have, we want to focus on doing right. We don't want to be swayed by the culture. We want to be humble in the face of persecution. We want to be humble about it. We want to live to honor God. We want to bring some light into this dark world is what we want to do as a Christian and that's how we live. And so we need to model this so people see something different about it and that we can give those same people hope. And if we're doing that, God is going to give, he's going to empower us with the Holy Spirit and give us opportunities to be able to share our faith when people ask us for the reason that we believe what we believe in. And we'll be able to be able to share and say, this is why I live different. This is why I try to live my life on our God. This is why this is happens. And that is a great way to be able to love your neighbor is to share the gospel with them. But do it in gentleness and respect because that's the best way to do it. It's the only way we should be doing it. So I know that a lot of you maybe have had difficulties with family or friends. Maybe when you first became a Christian, you were all aggro about it, you know, and you might have done it in the wrong way or said the wrong things or gotten spiritual or religious arguments with people before. But that could be the past. Live your lives to honor God. Share your faith with gentleness and respect. Do all those different things, and I guarantee you people will notice something different about you and they want to know and they want to have what you have. And that is the best way that we can love people in this world. So we're called to act differently. We're called to love our neighbors. We're called also, this next point, is we're also called to be respectful to human authority. So this is the next thing that Peter goes in to talk about. So he says this, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. And so I promise you guys, I'm not going to like ask you about which political group do you belong to. You know, we're not going to talk about all the controversial issues. You know, we're not going to get any of that. But I just want you to think through all these different things. You know, I don't want your view on the president and all that kind of crazy stuff. You guys can think about this in your own mind of how this applies to you. But I'm going to ask you to, you need to, you need to hear these verses and you need to understand them and you need to have, and maybe it can help change the ways that you engage in the world because as followers of Christ, we do need to honor anyone over authority of us to the best of our ability. And so if you think of the context here, especially in this verse, where what Peter is, who Peter is talking to, he's talking in the time where the emperor, Roman Emperor Nero was persecuting Christians. I mean, he was a tyrant. He was a very, very hostile leader. And it was not, this was not an easy ask for Peter, you know. And so this is, he, at this point in the life is what he says. And even in Romans 13, Paul says the same thing. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. And so he says this about taxes too. Pay your taxes too for the same reasons, right? And so when we talk about this stuff a lot, people kind of blow up or they get defensive or they want to argue, you know, all that kind of stuff. So please, after today, do not go home, get on social media and start 
going off on people. Don't do that, you know, just because we're talking about this. Because we should be doing the opposite. We should be honoring those people that are in authority over us, even the people that we don't agree with, even the people that we don't like. We still need to be, in every way possible, respecting and loving and praying for those people that have authority over us. And so I feel like as long as this authority is not asking us to do something totally against what the Bible tells us to do, and I feel like that doesn't happen very often, I feel like we can pretty much live our most of our you know, everyday lives you know, practicing this. Um, there is one thing that Peter actually says in the book of Acts. He tells us this story. He says, they brought, then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never to, again to teach in this man's name. He said, instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. So, you know, don't preach, don't share your faith, don't do this or don't do that. And there's a lot of countries where Christians go where it is against the law to do that, and they still do it anyway, which is amazing. You know, and so this is a rare occasion, and this isn't even like, you know, governing authorities. This is like religious leaders that he's disagreeing with here. And so I feel like that's a rare occasion, but we have to look at any kind of governing authorities over us. None of them are perfect, you know. We all are sinful. It's sin. People that are in the government are sinful people just as like as we are. But the governing authority has a God-given purpose. And we need to respect them. We need to respect others who disagree with us politically. And we need to love our neighbor. That's what we have to do. And so I'm going to tell you this, because I spent a lot of time with young people, people that are in college now, that came out of our youth group and different things. And I have lunch with them, and we talk about things like this. And I want, you to, I want you to hear something that I hear from them, many of them. Um, it, young people are not leaving the faith or leaving the church because the world is so attractive, because of a lot of things that they can do in the world. Most of the people leaving the church, young people leaving the church today is because they see a lot of the, of just some people, not everybody, they see, they see enough of some people that call themselves Christians and they see how rude and how hurtful and how attacking other people they are. And a lot of it wraps around politics and different things. And honestly, that is why I see why most people are leaving the church. And so we have to realize that we as Christians have to realize that the world is watching. Young, the next generation is watching us. And so we have to really put on that love for our neighbors, whoever those people are. And we really have to be more loving towards other people because we have to be a good example of that for everyone, for people that don't know Jesus, for young people that do know Jesus, for all those different things. And so I feel like I, even the word culture war makes me feel a little uncomfortable because you know what? We're not at war with people. We're at war against secular ideas. And there's a big difference. And so we have to be able to say, you know what? It is not us against them. It's us against what Satan is trying to do in the world, and that's a big difference. And so we're called to love our neighbors, not be at war with them. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of what I see. You guys can put that on Facebook if you want. Um, so with the, la with, the, uh, with the last little time here we have, we're going to talk about the last thing, and I think this is also very important. We need to be connected to God's people. So when we're talking about connected to God's people, think about your own family first. You know, When you guys are having a horrible day, when you wake up late, 
You get to work late, you know, maybe you spill coffee on your pants on the way to work, you know. Maybe your boss yells at you, you know, maybe your coworkers are being annoying, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then you finally leave work, you're on your way home, you just want to get home, right? And then you get pulled over, you get a speeding ticket. Like, you had the worst day. <laughs> but you know when you get home that your spouse or your kids or your dog or whatever, you know, are going to be there to comfort you, which is awesome, right? You can look forward to that. And maybe your spouse or your kids or maybe your dog will sit and listen to you complain about your day. And you'll feel better. And you feel safe. And you feel secure. And you feel like, oh my gosh, that world is not as bad. Uh, that day was not as bad as it seemed, you know, at the time. And you just feel great. You know, that's our family or whoever you're connected with. It could be your roommates. It could be whoever, right? Um, your boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, you know. But we also, it's nice to have a nice loving family, but it's also amazing to have a nice spiritual family. A whole bunch of other Christians around us that we can connect with. Because if you have that, if you have that spiritual family, it could come in a form of a small group, you know. It could be just Christian friends. It could be a mentor that you have in your life. It could be any of these different things. But you can have a deeper kind of engagement with people that believe the same thing you do. You can have kind of a more of a, since you share that identity in Christ, you guys can talk about those issues that are more important to you than maybe anything else. And that is an amazing thing that we need to be connected to God's family to be able to have that. And so I feel like that is a super, super important thing. For God calls you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, uh, in his example, you must follow in his steps. And I feel like that we can't do that as much if we don't have the same kind of thing that we need with God. And so he says, respect everyone, um, but follow... Yeah, he says, respect everyone, but follow, let's do the, this, no, I skipped one, let me go back. Oh, it is this one, respect everyone and love the family believers, fear God and respect the king. So it says, respect everyone, but it says, love other believers. It says, love them. In hard times, we totally need each other, and we're really going to talk more about that, like in the next couple of weeks in this series, but... I feel like we aren't in this culture war that we're having. We're not connected to each other enough. Like we're not relying on each other and other believers enough sometimes. Maybe you aren't connected to church enough. Maybe you isolate yourself sometimes. But we need to serve together. We need to meet together. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray you know, together for others, for this world. If you haven't gotten in a small group yet, we would love for you to get in a small group. And so I... Growing up, like, I had, like, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, which is ice, but my parents didn't get along. They got divorced. And so in high school, I had an amazing youth group where I could go to for comfort and those sorts of things when my family was going crazy. When I got into college, I, made, I, I moved in with a lot of other Christian guys, and we had this incredible bond between us as Christian roommates. It was wonderful. And then when I got married and I moved out and that sort of thing, and we moved all the way from California to Utah where my wife and I knew no one. We got involved in a small group at our church with other couples our age, and it was amazing. And those types of things, I feel like, really saved me. Those people in my life, in different stages of my life, really saved me from all the world, everything that was going on in the world. And so other Christians in our life is super, super important. But it says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we might, so that we can be dead to our sin and live for what is right. And so when we think of the example of Jesus Christ in our life, when we think of the cross that he had to carry for us, 
when we think of all those different things, that he was unjustly accused for nothing that he did. And we can have that persecution. We can have those trials and tribulations in our own life for being Christians. We're in the middle of this war with the secular ideas of this world. And we need to set our eyes on Jesus as his example of sacrificing everything for us. And then I feel like with the help of other believers that we can love this world that we live in. And we can bring other people into that fold as well. So if you guys have questions about anything, if you would love to talk to, we would love to connect with you. We would love to pray for you if that's what you need. But please come and talk to us after this service because we would love to connect with you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you're a God with second chances. We thank you so much that you're a God that is so holy but so right here in our midst. We thank you that we can come to your presence even now at this moment, God, that you are here, that we can say, God, we just need your help. We need your help with whatever we're going through. We need your help with whatever we're, we're into, God. We need your help with all these things. And I pray that you would just, at this campus specifically, God, that you would bring other Christians around, those people that really needed it most. And help us to learn from each other. Help us to pray for each other. Help us to be there for one another, to get us through whatever we need. And God, I pray that we can bind together into this world and we can go out from here. And Lord, we can live lives that honor you so that others would come to know you because they want what we have, God. They see the emptiness in this life, and God, they can see that they can be filled up by your love and your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you so much that you're a God that just is always wanting a relationship with us, and we pray that we would just work on that with you, Lord, and that we can just go in this world and love others. In Jesus' name, amen.